Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream on a Wednesday before the two days of Ashura. We will be having Owen Benjamin on tomorrow. Uh, for you, those of you who are not familiar, Owen Benjamin is a comedian, a Christian guy from upstate New York. From a very, I would say, blue collar uh, town up in New York, w- not New York City, way up in New York State. Uh, let me read you a little bit about him. He he has these quote these tweets, not usually family oriented, but they're usually basically stating that from his layman's observation, there's really only one religion to contend with in the world. And that's Islam. And that everything else is a complete abysmal failure. So I like that sentiment. And he's always saying a lot of things that any Muslim would be like, well, we're finally getting a a, a regular guy out of the blue. His observation is worth something to us, right? Um, He's an internet personality. It's described as he was a stand-up comedian for a while. He had some roles in mainstream film and TV between 2008-2015. And then he began in 2010 to express his political views. All right. He is from Oswego, New York. Okay. And he is essentially somebody who he has no fear, no care what anyone says. Okay. He is a married man with kids, and they live on a. It seems they live on a, a farm. It looks like so he like literally doesn't care, right? What anyone has to say, so that's why he's able to. But people, you know, are eating up his tweets. He was banned in 2019 for a while for violating Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You must be saying something, right? Uh, he has. Okay, um, said a lot of things about Pride Month that I think at some point got him banned. Right? Basically saying, the left, you guys are essentially creating a culture of pop- that's going to just decline your population. It's the same thing that any other com- commonsensical people have been saying, but he says it more louder and brasher and... He basically says that um, wherever he, he goes around and he sees Muslims still keeping up their families, right? This isn't really, um, takes a lot of ma- doesn't take a lot of math to put it together. All right, let's, let's go, go down a second and let's see what his latest tweets are because I've been on Twitter for a long time. Okay, um... See, he talks about hooking up with women and how this is like a nihilistic culture, right? So, like, he talks about things that... Um, yeah, I mean, he he's talking about controlling your urges, okay? And he says it in a way that, I guess, the language of the time. Enough uh, <laughs> sprinkling of, uh, 
you know, some language there, here and there, and some uh, a sprinkle of vulgarity here and there to, that to get his audience to read it, I guess. Right? So we got to keep that in mind. But I'm going to talk to him about, you know, what is his interest in Islam? Like, you're interested in Muslim. What exactly is, is it just the social aspect? Because to me, that is one of the proofs of Islam. Islam is proven by the anecdotal evidence. Anecdotal evidence is just what my eyes see. I can't really put a science to it. It's not a rational proof. It's not a spiritual experience. It's just what I see. It's anecdotal evidence. Anecdotal evidence is a part of how we prove. Um, or, you know, how we make decisions. How we become convinced of them. Let's read this tweet. People ask who I pray to. God, my creator. But honestly, that part doesn't even matter as much as being grateful and verbalizing. You didn't create the chicken you're eating. Or the water that quenches your thirst. Someone else made that for you. Over time, you realize that this creator, this is the creator of all. And you are thankful and grateful for mercy and sustenance. And you will cry. It's legit incredible when you see it. Forget about the robed men and books. Just be grateful and thankful for mercy. And you will see the nature of all this. This is actually how you see through the matrix. All right, And you love and you will be loved. So he is having his own direct um, attempts and I mean that's a good tweet that's a great tweet or is it a gzeet I don't know what it is a tweet now or a gzeet <laughs> <laughs> he totally confused everybody okay but that's an Owen Benjamin tweet that that's why you look at that stuff and you're like he's on the right track in a lot of ways and because some of the things that people will will go against him for are outlandish that doesn't take away from that he's on the right track in many things right like why would a guy like him because he's on the right wing of the spectrum should we dismiss him and he has some good in him but when a decade ago some rappers said some nice things about islam we clapped it on cheered it on all this rapper he's you know I, i'm at his concert i take his picture with him and that was okay we passed that and i still find that if if a guy's saying something good you want to ex ex increase the good right you're not going to negate their positive direction just because they still have something bad uh you know so the key is the way you do this is that um you, you don't just put a blanket you don't put a blanket to uh, promotion you just try to increase what's good out of the person and that's the, the going to be the purpose of tomorrow's discussion, which is basically, I really want to know, uh, and I want to have to him to know that, you know, there, that we exist. So if he has questions about Islam in the future, we'll have it. I also want to ask him, what are the, um, what does he find most impressive that's got his attention? And then what about the theology? Because we also don't want to have... Because we had, a, we had a movement back in the 70s. People loved the spirituality of Islam, but not the law of Islam. Some of them jumped over and accepted the law. Accepted Islam as it is. Now you, th you see people, it seems that they love the order, the sanity that Islam retains and is able to trickle down to its people. But not so much the theology. They care much about the theology. I think he does care about the theology. right? I think he would appreciate the theology of islam he's criticized the, the the priests a lot and he said that they had like eight priests go through their church in that little town and all of them had to leave on abusing kids yeah 
every single one of them. He's in Prager University. Okay. Um, which, of course, is a anti-liberal but also anti-Islamic operation. Okay. Um, he called gay sex degeneracy. Okay. He had um, podcasts with Joe Rogan. All right. He was involved with Infowars. He had some really bad things to say about Obama. So we're not, we're just for um, the record, we're here to see what, um, how we could, we're here to talk, to, we're, we're going to have him on to talk about his take on uh, the status of things and why he feels that Islam, you know, is a powerful force against these things. And I like to hear it from people outside. If I bring a Muslim on, of course, a Muslim's going to say what we want to hear him say. If I say it, of course, I'm going to say that, right? But I like to hear it from a random guy from upstate New York. And that's that's what he is to me, all right? So, all right, what's in the news? Why is Twitter calling itself uh, X now? And here is the summary, just because a lot of people use Twitter, just to give you an idea. Um, Twitter is now going to be called X, and it's not just going to be a communication platform. That's the whole point here. According to this complete revamp of the name and the brand is the revamp of the actual vision of the operation. So Twitter wants to. Here's the the big one. It wants to compete with YouTube and PayPal. So it wants to compete by putting, and it wants to compete as well with, wants to compete with um, YouTube, not just as holding videos, but he also wants to hold broadcasts. And he already began with Tucker Carlson. So like you, as we're streaming here, but an actual broadcast. Like, uh, just like Tucker Carlson had his show on Fox, he, he's, he's given him a contract to host it now on Twitter. Okay. Uh, he wants to compete with PayPal. There'd be a place where we can send money to each other. Right. And of course, Twitter would take a penny here and there. Right. That's that I think is the big one. He's also the founder of PayPal and PayPal also used to be called X. But the the the, the uh, board, I guess they said, no, we can't do this. We got to give it a name people could understand. OK, so he's he founded PayPal and he ran it and he for a while. And then that's one of the, his biggest sales. OK, because you know, these people, they you start up a company, you don't necessarily make money off the company until you flip it. Or not flip it, but until you get out of it. So uh, he's probably going to get a lawsuit from uh, X uh, from Meta because they also have um, a, a, they have a product, I guess, called X. Okay. All right. Let's look at Twitter's rival, Mark Zuckerberg, and Meta's. X, uh, Threads, sorry. Threads. And Threads, apparently, this is, I guess it's turning into a tech update. But we all use tech, so we might as well. All right, billions of users leverage its popularity and had an excellent launch. Instagram's new Threads app. What the heck? What is that? So when somebody Oh, okay. Yeah, the, Okay. 
Why are Muslim sisters flocking to see Barbie? I guess it's their childhood. That's all it is. People want to go look at stuff for their childhood, I guess. Waste of time. Um, so, Google had put out a social network, Google Plus. Who remembers Google Plus? What a fail. <laughs> that was a, it was aimed at against Zuckerberg and was called the Facebook killer, right? Google failed miserably. That stunk. Google Plus stunk, man. That was, t- you know, um, MySpace was more successful than Google Plus, and it preceded all of them. MySpace preceded all of them. But by 2018, Google Plus was relegated to the ash heap of history. Okay, it although the tech giant had an enormous audience, its social network was it completely failed, and no one um, left Facebook for it. Facebook didn't lose out at all. In the history of Silicon Valley, big tech companies have often become even bigger tech companies by using their scale as a built-in advantage. That's not how things work. Things work because you have a really good idea and you're dedicated to the idea, not just to compete against somebody else like the Yankees going and getting back in 2003. What's his face? Alex Rodriguez. Just for the sake of the opportunity to have Alex Rodriguez. He killed the team. He killed the team. He killed the chemistry of the team. They made it in 2003, went to the... No, 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 that wasn't 2000. Yeah, summer 2003. That year, what happened to them? They got off, went off, blew out the Red Sox in the first three games, then lost three in a row in a complete, utter locker room meltdown. You can't describe it anything else. Zero character. Steinbrenner had a problem. He didn't, he cared about starport power more than character, right? And that's what some of these guys do. They, they got the advantage, but there's no actual life in it. There's no one dying for the success of the thing. They just want to do it for the sake of the ability to rival somebody else. And in general, in, in anything you do, that never works. So Google Plus shows that being bigness alone, having all this these um, advantages, it does. it's not what makes you successful. What makes you successful is you actually believe in the product that you're putting out, okay? And then you... Uh, um, you work on it and you live and die on it. So Google plus is that now Zuckerberg is doing the same thing with Twitter battle of the Titans here. Okay. This is replaced sports for me. All right. Threads wants to become the prime app for real time public conversations. If tech history is any guide size and scales are solid footholds, but ultimately can only go so far. By the way, do you know how many things Zuckerberg has actually not succeeded in? His not record is not that great. Outside of the initial Facebook 2003, 2004, like what is it? Facebook now it's it's a mess. Right? To me it's a mess. Using you the use of it is is not good. I don't like the use of it. Like the user interface. So I don't use it. Purchase Instagram. That's a great decision, but you didn't make Instagram, right? Try to do this meta thing and, and spend billions of dollars and it looks like it's either way behind or canceled completely. The metaverse. Because he saw it in a movie, right? That movie? What was, it, what was that movie called? Where it's about the metaverse, basically. And he basically said, let's actually make it. It was in a movie. Then he get, got WhatsApp. How does he monetize WhatsApp? 
How did you monetize WhatsApp? So you got it, but what are you doing with it? Okay. Now you're going to make threads. He better succeed with this because otherwise now he's going to have many failures in a row. Anyway, Twitter's uh, evolving beyond this, beyond just tr- tr- uh, transmit uh, communications. All right, Zuckerberg needs people to be able to find friends and influencers on threads in the serendipitous and sometimes weird ways that Twitter managed to accomplish. He needs to make sure threads isn't filled with spam and grifters. You know what? Maybe that will be the differentiator. You go on to there and you're not going to have so many anons. Grifters, I like that. He needs people to be patient about app updates that are in the works. In short, he needs users to find thread compelling enough to keep coming back. Well, to be honest with you, I think Anons do have a secret benefit to Twitter, right? Anons. Although they're they're annoying as heck, but... If you launch a gimmick app or something that isn't fully featured quite yet, it might be counterproductive, blah, blah, blah. Threads appears to be an overnight success, all right? Within hours of the app's introduction, last Wednesday... Okay, Mr. Zuckerberg had 10 million people. By Monday, 100 million people. Okay, and that exceeded chat GPT, which had 100 million users within two months. Okay, anyway. Um, Musk has been agitated by Thread's momentum, which may have initiated this rebrand too, to speed it up at least. 100 million people. Threads is quickly surging, right? And it's surging towards Twitter-like numbers, which is now 237.8 million people. Musk has taken action. On, on the same day last week that Threads was officially unveiled, Twitter threatened to sue Meta over the new app. On Sunday, Musk called Mr. Zuckerberg a cuck. Okay. I don't know, how badly is that a curse? I don't know. Is it a curse or not? Uh, I don't know what the degree of the language should be censored here. I don't, uh, it's not like, right? Censor worthy or is it? I don't think it's up there. It's not up there, right? I see people writing it all the time. Like as in legitimate people. <laughs> all right. Then he tra- challenged Zuckerberg to a contest to measure specific body parts. What the heck is wrong with these guys? He's got, I'm not reading this anymore. This is New York Times, by the way. What Mr. Musk lacks at Twitter, Zuckerberg has in abundance an enormous audience. Three billion users regularly visit Zuckerberg's constellation of apps, including Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Messenger. Zuckerberg has had plenty of experience nudging millions of people in those apps to use another of the apps. Okay. 2014, he removed Facebook's private messaging service from inside the social network app and forced people to download another app called Messenger, which is annoying as heck. That's why I said he does these things, which... uh, Threads is now tied closely to Instagram. Users are required to have an Instagram account to sign up. People can import their entire following list from Instagram to Threads with just one tap on the screen, saving them from trying to rebuild their followership or whatever. On Monday, Zuckerberg suggested there was more he could do to push Thread's growth. He had not turned on many promo- on many promotions yet. Okay. You have any comments on this? I heard, and I heard they wanted to use the Roman Colosseum too. Yeah, but nothing yet. 
would I watch it? Just the clips. <laughs> no, I might sit with my kids and watch it. In 2011, after Larry Page's Google co-founder and its chief executive at the time cloned Facebook with Google+, users soon grew bored of the novelty of the new social network and stopped using it. Some saw Google+, as something forced, all right, when I'm just trying to get to my Gmail, right? In any event, we're done reading about this. That's enough. What else is going on in the Oma at large? What what is this that you're watching on Barbie? Why is the big deal? Can you put it up? You want me to look it up on my phone and play it? Okay. Okay, let's, um, why, don't, why don't you play it for us? It's only six minutes, so share it. Share the video. We'll all watch the video. I guess it's commentary that people are interested. Well, I'll flag it. Let him flag it. I don't care. <laughs> All right, let's see this video. Get the CC off. The CC on the YouTube video. Yeah, just click that. Raise the volume. for motherhood, the entire plot of the film surrounds Barbie's fight against the patriarchy 
and male-dominated society. It depicts Ken, along with every other man in Barbie land, who is also Ken, as ridiculous individuals who are obsessed with Barbies, yet Barbies want nothing to do with them. The film then goes on to follow Barbie and Ken's pursuit into the real world outside of Barbie land, where they are greeted by a society that is dominated by the, again, patriarchy, a world where men are perverts, police make sexual advances on women, and a world where men are in charge of everything. Even the actual Mattel company responsible for the girls' doll Barbie is depicted as an all-male-run corporation, which is funny considering Mattel in real life has a very balanced female and male board. Ken goes on to return to Barbie land, now inspired by what he has seen in the real world to reinforce the patriarchy onto Barbie land and transform it into a Kendenham, a world completely run by men. Barbie is able to then finally retake Kendom by conspiring with all the female Barbies to switch their Kens and enrage their male partners, causing them to fall into chaos. In the end, the Barbies are able to achieve their freedom by completely isolating men, distancing themselves from them, and essentially dominating them in Barbie land. And all that was what many thought to be a children's film. Now, a lot has been said about the staunch feminist narrative of the film, and it has faced a lot of criticism for its anti-men messaging already. And to the film's defense, it has been said that this is nothing more than a satire, a comedy piece, and something not to be taken too seriously. And I get it, it's only a movie, and maybe some parts are not meant to be taken too seriously, but the messaging is awful, especially for impressionable young girls and boys growing up in our society. Even if we were to ignore the film for a moment, narratives where women are constantly pitted against men or where men are riled up against women are deeply corrosive to society. You cannot have a healthy functioning and harmonious society where men and women are constantly at odds against one another. It is not helpful for the world, for communities, and of course, for families, the backbone on which society runs. The reality is, Men and women are not enemies of one another. Men and women, if anything, are protectors of one another. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls believing men and women protectors of one another in the Quran. And the Prophet sallallahu describes men and women as counterparts of one another. This is not to be confused with a world whereby women are degraded and catcalled as portrayed in the film but rather a world where women are respected. A world where men are prohibited from looking at a woman lustfully, let alone talking at her. And even in light of relationships, while we do know that in Islam, men do have a role of qawwama, this is nothing to disrupt or fight over. This is a position of responsibility, a responsibility to maintain, provide for and protect women. In Islam, relationships are complementary and not competitive. They are caring and not coercive. They are endearing and not dominating. They are relationships that are bound by the Quranic injunction to live with them in kindness. If anything, the role a man plays in a relationship of being a qawwam is something that carries tremendous responsibility and accountability. A trust that all men will be asked about as a father, husband or brother. Even in the verse that mentions the great responsibility of men, it ends with reminding them that they are beholden to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above all else. And although we are different, in the sight of Allah, our value is not defined by our gender, but rather our worth as Muslims. 
So while Barbie may have achieved a great deal of financial success and cultural buzz over a message which is deeply problematic, it's up to us as Muslims to know who we are, to know our values and our place in this world with ourselves and with each other. Let us not be swayed by such narratives that undermine our identity as women and understanding of who we are. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. I don't disagree with, um, if that's what the movie is, then I don't disagree with her. I do agree with her. But what is the name of the speaker that, uh, did, did they say? Uh, well, it's one path that was obviously put it together. And they're out of Australia, which is... Uh, um, Everything has gone pink. And the body crate... No, no, no. didn't say but either way i mean uh mashallah i i i'm glad someone made a commentary because people whatever's out there there's got to be some kind of you know commentary even if it's five minutes six minutes and that was only six minutes and of course all these hollywood movies are going to have some kind of um the the people who make these movies that's what they believe right so it's going to seep in whether it's on purpose or on accident any, anything else on this segment that we want to talk about? Any Instagram comments? Any Facebook comments on the subject at all of Barbie? Can't even believe that we're actually talking about it, but fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's... You know, I was thinking about how crazy things... I talk, we were talking yesterday that you sit at your email and you delete messages for about 10 minutes. And you clean out your inbox, deleting whether not just spam, but spam already goes in the spam box, but the actual inbox, right? And you feel like you see a nice clean inbox and you feel like you accomplished something. The fact that you feel that that's an accomplishment, right? Uh, it's just a bizarre feeling because it's not an accomplishment. You accomplish nothing, right? Uh, but likewise, this is like a topic, right? And there is a degree, that's why I only give one day to this, where you do have to look at what the many are saying and doing, and you do have to acknowledge that as a subject. But you can't let that be your constant state. Because the many, you know, don't should, that's not what should dictate where your attention is going. Your attention has to go something that you've thought of, something that you, like, you believe in, and that you bring into the world. That's where your focus should be. Which is why I don't really... If you're messaging me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook these days, most likely you won't get a response. It's because I realize like you're just being driven by whatever the many are after. And your own personal agenda and belief of, and about life and what you, what you want to bring to the table, you're not paying attention to it. You're paying attention just to the many. So how many hours people spilt on the last, the latest debate, the, whatever the latest thing is, that's the agenda of the many, all right? And you can only give that, we're only going to give that, you know, attention on this day. Because you have to give it some attention, but, but it's got to be really limited. Let's go to the next segment here. Muslim ambushed by cow vigilantes. Al Jazeera is calling them that which caught my attention. They're actually calling them 
cow vigilantes or is this mockery obviously okay Rafiq Tamboli his wife continues to search for answers two years after her husband who was a truck driver was stopped by vigilantes in Maharashtra okay Mumbai India Rafiq Tamboli would have been 33 years old now or maybe he still is. Nobody knows if he's dead or alive. Nobody has seen him for the last two years. What a opening paragraph. A resident of Qureshi Nagar in Mumbai's Kurla locality, Rafiq worked as a driver, transporting meat. Oh, that's a problem. If you're in India, you cannot transport beef. He received an assignment to pick up meat, presumably beef, from the city of Downs, Okay, about 150 miles from Mumbai. After loading the meat in his truck, he embarked on a five-hour journey back home. He called his wife before he started driving. It was a normal conversation. All right, uh, the 35-year-old told Jazeera, I asked him if he had dinner. He said he would, he would in half an hour. So that was it, regular husband-wife conversation. Little did Rahma know, his wife is named Rahma, that it would be their last conversation. Wow. SubhanAllah. At about 10.30 that night, Rafiq's truck was stopped by cow vigilantes. Underline. That means there's a link about this name, why they're using this name. Cow vigilantes on the highway near the village. Okay. He has not been seen since then, dead or alive. What happened after that is anybody's guess. All right, that's the title. So change the title for this. Cow vigilantes kill Muslim. Or abduct a Muslim. That's what we should call it. When Rafiq did not return that night, Rahma frantically started calling him. The phone was switched off. When he did not return three days later, she went to the local police. Wouldn't you go... That's, I'm not going to say anything. But three days? How about one day? The police called the man Rafiq worked for. Uh, that's when he told us that his truck was intercepted by cow vigilantes. The moment she heard that, her heart sank. Since 2014... When the Hindu Nationalist Party came to power, under Modi, cases of mob lynching under the pretext of protecting cows considered holy by some Hindus have been rising in India. Critics believe that cow vigilantes who are organized, often armed, and once found on the fringe of society have become mainstream. A New Delhi-based center which has collated data on atrocities in India's minority uh, against India's minorities maintain... Uh, mainly Muslim since 2014, has a category for cow-related violence. The documentation of the oppressed database, which has been updated okay, through August of last year, found 206 incidences involving 850 people, majority of them Muslim. Okay. Rahma is saying, even if you killed him, at least let us know. Okay. The police told us that the driver of the truck had run away. The cow vigilantes had told the police about it in a written statement. The statement was written by a self-proclaimed cow vigilante named Shiv Shankar Swami. In the statement, Swami 27 said he heard from his sources at 5 p.m. that day about a truck carrying cow meat to Mumbai. How, how do they know these things? According to the statement, Swami gathered some members... Of his party. Well, the cow's already dead anyway, right? 
They're not carrying a live cow to go kill the cow. The cow's already dead. But I guess they want to inflict pain on anyone involved in the whole chain, right? Whoever slaughters it, whoever sells it, whoever transports it, whoever signs the contract, whoever serves as a witness, right? At 10.30, Swami's statement says, they noticed the truck and signaled the driver to pull over. The moment the driver, Rafiq, saw cow vigilantes, he ran away. The statement further alleges the truck was carrying about two tons of cow and bull meat covered in ice. The group then called the Don police and asked them to confiscate the truck. It is illegal, right? Illegal? Just to buy and sell cow in India. However, Rahma, but he's just the driver. Mm. Rahma asked that if that was the case, why hasn't Rafiq contacted his family since then? If he just ran away. He should be fine. Be home the next few days. Why would he not come home for two years? Why wouldn't he want to see his kids? She breaks down recalling the time when she had that last conversation. And then when she told her kids about the possibility of their father never coming back. Daughter Shaista is 12. Hassan is 10. What does Shaist mean, by the way? Shah is king. What does the ist mean? And what does the ist mean? Like, yeah, but Shaista. Oh, it's just one name. Okay. I thought it's something like... No, because I knew a guy named Shaist. This one is named Shaista. Yeah. So I'm assuming that... Sh- okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm assuming it's like, like something of the king or something like that. I don't think so. No? Just a straight name? Okay. Beauty? Okay. Um, I eventually told my kids he may never return. So... All she wants is closure. But Swami struck, stuck to his story and told Rahma she was like his sister and he did not have the license to kill people. But it's not as simple as that. On June 24th, two Muslim men from the same locality where Rahma lived were returning to Nashrik, 124 miles away from Mumbai, also carrying 450 kilograms or 990 pounds of meat. Again, the cow vigilantes intercepted their car, dragged them out, took them to a nearby forest area where they tied them to a tree and beat them for three hours. One of them, Affan Ansari, died on the spot. The other, Nasir Hussein, survived. When I spoke to Hussein, he categorically mentioned the name Shiv Shankar Swami that he overheard among the cow vigilantes. He told, uh, okay. They mentioned Shwami's name while beating the boys up. According to Shah, Hussein told him that the vigilantes received a phone call where the man on the other end, presumably Shwami, told them, kill the Landias, a slur commonly used against Muslims. An internet search of Shwami's name throws up several uh, news reports of cow vigilantism in Maharashtra from 2015-2017. He has been under police protection since 2015 due to a threat perception to his life because he filed several police cases against cow smuggling and therefore has made many enemies. Swami is also a government-appointed honorary animal welfare officer. Rahma uh, therefore says she has no hope of ever getting justice or closure. The police are helping him. Initially, the police carried out a small search, but I can't keep going back to that. I have two kids to look after. So she should now go into the fiqh of the person who's mafqood. We have that in, in Islamic law. Al-Mafqood, the one who's lost. It's unknown whether he's dead or whether he is alive. The woman has the right 
to ask the judge to divorce her from the man because he's she's not getting the services of a husband anymore. She's not getting cared for, right? If she wants to wait and she believes she can wait, it's four years. At that time, it will be pronounced dead. However, his wealth will not be inherited until he the man reaches the age of 60 or would have been 60, right? Then his wealth will be distributed. Okay, that's in the situation where it's unknown what the person is. So his marriage has one set of rules and his money has another set of rules. Okay, you can study that in the works on Al-Mafqud. Do you have any thick books here? No. They're all downstairs. When When Jazeera called to ask, he said, I'm in a meeting, I'll get back to you. When we finally asked him, he said it's an old case. I'll have to look into it. So basically, they're not doing anything. The police are supporting it. Okay. So that's the story of what cow vigilantes do to Muslims who are transporting beef or eating beef. All right, uh, Omar, uh, what are you looking at there? Shabir Akhtar, why are we looking at him? Shabir Akhtar? Shabir Akhtar was a Muslim, British Muslim poet, philosopher, researcher, writer, multilingual scholar, faculty of theology and religions at Oxford. He was interested in political Islam, tafsir, revival of philosophical discourse in Islam. He was a scholar on Søren Kierkegaard, and he has articles all over the world. And he passed away. He's from born in Pakistan, but raised in Bradford. So he's a, he's British um, in his upbringing. He went to Canada. Then he went to Cambridge. And then he went to Calgary. Okay. And may Allah give him Jannah. Right. He has articles on Yaqeen Institute. Paul Williams is the one who said, it's great sadness that I learned that Dr. Shabir Akhtar has passed away. He's truly a great philosopher, Muslim intellectual, and a friend. Had been in almost daily contact with him over the past few years. What else has Paul Williams put up lately? Because he sometimes puts up the news. Andrew Tate had put up that tweet that said that um, he's not into reading books, he's into action, right? But how do you know what action to take if you don't get educated, right? Join this program. Oh, there you go. Join the program, escape the matrix, that's how you'll know what to do. But, huh? (laughs) Is that, that, that program still in business? Mm-hmm. 
Let's see what you got before we go to the Q&A. We'll take a little bit of Q&A, and then we're wrapping up a little bit early today. That who? UFO hearings in Congress. Yeah, tell me about it. Tell me, tell me what's going on. Yeah. All right. So, let's see what the Hill says. Loading. Did your your guys' Wi-Fi just slow down all of a sudden? You good? All right. Um, there are UFO hearings. Lawmakers, witnesses accuse the Pentagon of a cover-up. We got to be seriously kidding here. The House Oversight Subcommittee on National Security spent the morning hearing from witnesses who pushed for more transparency in how the government handles reports of UFOs or unidentified anomalous phenomena. Both the witnesses and lawmakers accused the Pentagon of covering up information about its UAP program and called for transparent and centralized reporting databases moving forward. This is Alex Jones' heaven right here. And 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 that other nut... David Eck. David Grush, a whistleblower who has accused the government of withholding information. This is fake whistleblowing. <laughs> this is not real whistleblowing. Where's the abuse? Where's the you know theft or whatever? Just withholding information related to UFOs. Made a series of explosive claims, but often told lawmakers he could only provide specifics in a confidential setting. Oh, how, how convenient. Representative Glenn Grothman who chaired the hearing, said he looked forward to collecting more information and drafting legislation, blah, blah, blah. Okay. A group of lawmakers will have a confidential meeting to discuss. So wait a second. You are upset that the government's withholding the information, but when you're asked for it, you said you have to see it in private? You have to talk in private? Does anyone see a contradiction there? Like, your accusation is you withheld information. Okay, what information? And I'll tell you in private. So what's the difference between you and them? Not only do we have the support of the chairman, but they're going to get a nice letter from Congress. Okay. And this guy, David Grush, is not a nobody. He's a former intelligence official. Okay, so he has security clearances. It's very multifaceted. We got so many ideas now. Like I said, this is just the first of many. It's an uphill battle. We're going to formulate some more ideas. The floodgates are going to open up. Are we seriously going on with this? So there have been, a, 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 I have seen some footage, which was all I could say is, you raise your eyebrows. What was that, right? But what do people imagine it to be, though? Remember the the Chinese discs? Remember that disc? Oh, no, the balloons. Remember the balloons? The hot air balloons that China was sending? And this, and I'm thinking to myself, well, that's the technology. 
like little mini hot air balloons with camp. I don't know. We'll see. But that's the, this is the, um, and here's the guy. He suggested that U.S. Aerospace Corporations, this is David Grush, they're siphoning off government funds. There's misappropriation of Pentagon funds. Okay, that's whistleblower worthy, right? Okay. Do you think U.S. corporations are overly charging for certain tech they're selling in the U.S. to the U.S. government? Okay, that's whistleblower worthy. It's not newsworthy that some people are siphoning off money. How about the whole military industrial complex is wasting billions of dollars, right? So when some guy's charging Microsoft or Microsoft charging too much, that's not news, right? That's not going to move the needle. But that seems to be like something that Congress would be care more about. But this idea of the UFOs, is there anything exciting in the UFO world? Like what are the actual sightings and conspiracy theories? So they're saying like saying the US government allegedly has US government allegedly has had contact and reverse engineered the tech in a multi-decade project and I think the tech is like it's like electrogravitics it's saying which is like you know like how uh, they have like the, uh, the anti-gravity th- uh, stuff mm-hmm. with UFOs whatever yeah apparently like I don't even know what this is about but like it's like uh, so it's basically they're saying like uh, what that means is you know how they can uh, like the electromagnetic field propel I don't even know what this is saying it's like I, think, I don't know if this is conspiracy so man, you know anything about this this see, is too crazy for me to even like, yeah, like comprehend it. See, I only watched one UFO claim video. Firstly, who knows if it was real or it's fabricated. That's the one thing. But it was a pilot footage, and it seemed very real to me. Like real footage. From a pilot who saw something that just, just disappeared real quick, and then he saw it again. And he's talking to his partner. He's like, hey, did you just see that? Let's go check out what it is. It's like Top Gun. They're flying in the air talking. And <laughs> they get there, and there is this object. Okay. All right. And that did seem like a compelling video. It's, doesn't mean it's a UFO. Obviously, it's, it is an unidentified flying object. That's definitely correct. But if people, when they go into the alien world of things, that's where it gets a bit kooky. Aliens. I always thought about this, even when I was in, like, sixth grade. Superior technology... But we all wear the same V-striped suit, right? <laughs> all dressed the same, and they're slimy. How could you work with all that electricity when you're all slimy, right? <laughs> so that part was, like, sort of absurd. But three retired military veterans testified Wednesday at a House hearing on unidentified anomalous phenomenon, UAPs, also known as UFOs. Uh, um, if UAPs are foreign drones... That's important. Then it's a problem of national security. If it's something else, it is an issue for science. Worldwide security if it's something else. In either case, they are a concern, said Ryan Graves, a former Navy pilot who now runs Americans for Safe Aerospace. Let me say something. This may sound like I'm generalizing, but there's a lot of military guys who got on the Trump train, right? And may have entered into the Reddit world of conspiracies. Despite great training, really high tech, you know, they know a lot of stuff. 
they're in their field, something amazing, but it's not far-fetched that people who are amazing in one field are absolute literal zeros in another. And physicists and scientists just put that on display all the time. They have no logic skills. They say they have not taken a single class in Muntik, right? And they say the most absurd things all the time, not just regular, not just every once in a while. Um, I have a whole article on, on what's his name saying, uh, theme of his book, the thesis statement of Hawkins, Stephen Hawking's book. The thesis statement has three logical fallacies in it. These are not logical fallacies that require a chess-playing philosopher to figure out. Children could figure I asked my kids. They figured it out on the way to soccer, a soccer game. Within, before we got to the game, they had figured out all three. Right? He says, because... Um, he says that... I think it's like, because of gravity, nothing can come from something. Right? That's the statement. That's the thesis of his book. There are three inconsistencies in the statement inconsistency meaning your use of one word negates the ability for another part of your thesis to exist so look it up and 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 we can discuss it there's also that really famous debate with uh, hamza zortis and um lawrence krauss yeah it's like super old yeah and uh like they were going through his um, his book on like and how many fallacies it has it's all it fallacies was, uh, man what's his name he's, he's really uh really big in the UK, I think. He's Subur Ahmed, I think. Yeah. He's pretty good with like the refuting atheists and stuff. And he was also there, but he was like young at that time. And he went up and he asked a question. And he's like, uh, oh, by the way, this book is really a really good introduction to logical fallacies. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was like, oh, nothing is actually something. Yeah. It's actually nothing. Oh, my God. It's like they have to change the definition of nothing. Nonsense. Well, they also, the um, the physicists are, they believe, they, they're observers of scientism, right? Yeah. Which is that... The only true actual source to truth can only come from empirical data. But that's self-defeating because that statement itself is a philosophical statement. Right? And you can't scientifically prove that. Yeah, you can't. Scientifically prove that empirical data is the only source of certain knowledge. Let's listen to more of these UFOs or this hearing. Because the government has attributed so far all these to balloon entities as well as drones, birds, or weather events, such as airborne debris, like plastic bags. Okay? So, that plastic bag one seems a bit far-fetched. Graves and another man, David Fravor, also a retired U.S. Navy commander, both testified about their own sightings of UAPs while they were serving in the military. David Grush, a former Air Force intelligence officer, alleged that the government has covered up its research into the unidentified sightings and said he reported information to the intelligence community, Inspector General. The technology we faced was far superior to anything that we had. I mean, that's really something. He said this back in 2004. Why are these not a national security threat, he asks. Now, this is, this is interesting now. The hearing is the latest push by lawmakers, intelligence officials, and military personnel working on unexplained aerial phenomena to probe the issue on a national platform. This is an issue of government transparency. We're not bringing little green men or flying saucers into the hearing. We're just going to get the facts. We're going to uncover the cover-up. And I hope this is just the beginning of many more hearings. 
No government officials. This is going to be a Netflix documentary. Guarantee Netflix documentary in within five years. No government um, officials testified at Wednesday's hearing. In April, Sean Kirkpatrick, defender, d- director of the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Research Resolution Office, which Congress created to focus on UFOs, told the Senate subcommittee the U.S. government was tracking 650 potential cases. Playing video from two of the episodes, Kirkpatrick emphasized there is no evidence of life, no credible evidence of objects that defy the known laws of physics. Lawyers have pressed the Department of Defense on the sightings. UFOs, whatever they may be, may pose a serious threat to our military and our civilian aircraft. We should encourage more reporting, not less. All right, Grush claimed the U.S. government not only has UAPs in its possession, but also the remains of the allegedly non-human pilots of the aircraft. All right, this is where you may actually get yourself, you know, questioned. Because he's saying that the government allegedly possesses non-human pilots. Percy, how would you know that? Okay. When he was pressed, he made it clear this was what he has been told by others. But he didn't have first-hand information. Taib. Take a hadith class. Usul al-hadith, so you can narrate properly. That's something I've not witnessed myself. Grush told the panel he could provide a list of cooperative and hostile witnesses who could provide Congress with more information. Grush said that he had reports, his allegations as a whistleblower to the intelligence community, Inspector General a spokesperson for the office declined to comment. Uh, One Air Force base, um, one representative said he went to, he, he asked about the incident at the Eglin Air Force Base in Florida. He went to Eglin himself. Okay, he was denied event, but eventually shown an image of the episode, and claimed, "I am not able to attach any human capability from the United States or any of our adversaries to such behavior." That's the interesting part. I want to see the video. I think it's the video we're talking about, right? That famous video. Can you, uh, by, by the way, open up a tab and look up the Eglin E G L I N Air Force incident, UFO incident? Right now, we need a system where pilots can report without fearing of losing their jobs. There's a fear of stigma. Okay? Eglin. E-G-L-I-N. Not Eggland. Eglin. <laughs> uh, UFO incident video. Huh? Click on that. That's the footage that the guy's talking about. Eglin. 30 minutes of talk. No, no, no. Get out of this. Bro, you just... He's bringing computer graphics, and here we're trying to find out what the what the video is. No, 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 no. This is not it. This is not it. Yeah. The two pilots flying, and they're talking to each other. 
That's okay, no problem. E-G-L-I-N, Air Force Incident UFO. No. All right, let's go to the comments real quick before we close with a dot. A lot of people in the comments saying they must be Jin. Mm-hmm. Maybe Omran Hussein has something to say about it. <laughs> hey, guys who are spamming us, maybe ask your sheikh. Okay, someone said there's just news uh, that Sinead O'Connor, who reverted to Islam, has passed away at 56. Wow, that's that's young, but... Okay. She did enter Islam, so may Allah have mercy upon her. If an uncle in the family sexual abuses a child, does that child as an adult have to warn about him? Yes, I believe so, yes. If someone abuses you and no one's listening, but you have to say, but at the same time, I would maybe consider you if you're saying the truth, if you're a truthful person, but we can't say that he's guilty, you don't have evidence. But I can say, all right, I'll keep that in mind when I send my kids over there to that house, right? Listening to nasheeds and qasidas to, to, to lift your spirits is good, but you should, you know, I can't tell you, I cannot give you the license to listen to an instrument that the fuqaha said is forbidden. Omer Maddox says, I have grandparents experiencing dementia and their personalities have changed. Is this, what is the status of the soul? I believe that, as we said earlier, the soul is the soul as it is, and then the mind is a filter. Right, it's a filter, and sometimes that filter may be um, damaged. Like an antenna. It's like an antenna has altered. So that's what that's what the that's how we understand the experience of mental illness. Okay, or uh, you know those things where where the antenna is damaged or turned or something like that. For a child, it's not developed yet. It's not pulled up yet. For someone in a coma, it's it's just covered. Okay. Esra D says, from an Islamic perspective, is the possibility of extraterrestrial intelligent life plausible? Or does the Prophet said a message being universal and that only includes humans and jinn? No, we only hold that there is it, it's rationally possible for Allah to create another rational being. However, we know from our scripture that what exists there's that there are three rational beings angels humans and jinn right there is not there is no record of allah creating no mention of allah creating a rational being that is outside of these three right so i don't um, i don't see that the belief that you, that there's a UFO and aliens, I don't think that'll take you outside of Islam, right? Or maybe not even outside of Ahl-Sunnah. But there's no, it's a wham. 
It's believing in cartoons and fairy tales. So what? There's no evidence for it. For it. Okay. Neither scripturally nor physically. And look at how much Allah has told us about the creation. He's told us about the angels. He's told us about the shayateen of al-jinn. He's told us about animals. He named surahs after animals. He told us about the stars. He told us about the trees. He told us about the skies. He told us about the sun and the moon. He's told us what generally exists. So I don't believe that there are UFOs. There's definitely no scriptural evidence for it. And knowing that what we know of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's told us every, what, everything that exists that is of import to us. Okay. All right, so here's a question. In England, I gave a talk in, Bang in, in Birmingham, and I said that the way of shaitan, very clever technique of shaitan, to introduce you to a great harm is to have you become convinced that that harm is a solution. How does he do that? By introducing a lesser yet more dramatic harm right and hence you would people by themselves would run to the greater harm that is his real end goal so it's a two-step process so introduce you to a a type of uh, a, a loud and an attention getting lesser harm and then to the evil that he truly wants people to be on for a long term, he must put an angle of that being a solution. Okay. To that. So, um, that's usually how, let's take an example of abuse. So, certain people abuse. Right. And then as a seeming solution to that abuse, another movement is born. Okay, out of that. But that other movement is actually far worse. Okay. Without, but you can't actually, you become handcuffed because any critique of that movement is perceived by the people as, oh, you're taking this abuse lightly. You're dismissing this abuse or you even support that abuse. So you can't even critique it. And this is how Shaitan gets people to uh, uh, support fully. And usher in a whole new regime. Uh, now the question is asking, in your opinion, what is, if liberalism is that small harm, and now people are looking for an antidote to that, will they then flee to an antidote that's worse? Uh, I don't necessarily see... I find liberalism to be the main vehicle that shaitan wants people to be on, right? And all the abuse of minorities around the world being the smaller uh, bad thing that liberalism seems to be the solution for and is in many ways a solution for those things. But it's also ushering in something far worse, which is essentially like a completely narcissistic worldview for people to uh, to live by and uh, nihilistic as well 
where there's no absolute values, no absolute truths. So, the nihilism or nihilism? I say nihilism. You say nihilism? Yeah, Nihilistic, right? Nihilistic. Nihilistic, maybe. How do you stick to goals and avoid wasting time? But one of the things that the best way to do things is that to set a time and a place where you're going to do whatever you're going to do. Right? So I want to um, lose weight. I want to gain muscle. I want to learn fiqh. That's a sentiment. That's all it is. But a plan is now needed. I'm going to study, you know, 30 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day at the at my desk first thing in the morning. And you set a timer. Right? So it's actually the pragmatics. It's the pragmatics of it that helps you, you know, do things. Good point here. Yes. Feminism is the like the solution for abusive men. Yeah. For example, you got. Uh, have there been men who are abusive? Of course. The whole British law system, by the uh, compared to the Sharia, British law is completely oppressive to women, right? So now let's um, a movement spawns out of that. You can't not support that because it would be seen that you're supporting the abuse of men but we have to say hold on no we don't support that because their fund their uh, uh, source of justice is not our source of justice what is their source of justice their own ideas right so your own ideas may hit the mark once may hit the mark twice but eventually that epistemology that methodology is going that that source is going to lead you far off into that's exactly what she critiqued in the the barbie critique Okay. I always tell my kids, watch out for every commercial, every show, every movie has to make a mockery of men. Guaranteed. Maybe they'll tuck it in. Okay, there's one respectable male character, but then three others are getting... And on Netflix, at every other commercial is a guy getting smacked by a woman, right? Getting beaten up by a woman, right? Things like that. Don't think... They'll make it like... The woman is like standing up, and the guy's like on his knees or whatever. That don't don't think that that doesn't settle slowly, subtly in people's minds. So I want to I point it out to them. Like you're gonna see stuff. You're gonna see stuff. There's no way to avoid seeing stuff. So I just point it out to them. Keep see that right there. That's a subtle way of putting it in your mind, right? Of a guy getting smacked by a woman, right? Talib Razi gives a quote. Arthur Clarke says there are two possibilities. Either we are alone in the universe or we are not. Both are equally terrifying. We're not alone. We have Malaika. We have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what is terrifying? We do have Shayateen al-Jinn. Sarah Khan says, uh, can you release the Arabic grammar workbook? We can do that, inshallah. Get to that. We have a lot, a lot of books that are not printed anymore. How can we explain a Muslim... That said, Aisha was indeed nine at the age of her confirmation. If they think that her age could have been wrongfully transmitted, is because she, how about herself as the transmitter? Wouldn't she be the best one to transmit her own age? Right? The only source that we have that she was that age is herself boasting about it. So I don't understand someone who 
Are you accepting her hadith or rejecting her hadith? As a full-fledged adult, she told you she was nine. What's your problem? Right? And what and it's Sahih Bukhari. Why don't you let people be who they want to be? She's happy like that. Why don't you leave her alone? Why are you getting involved? Such a non-issue, like, and it's kind of a stamp for Islam being the truth. Like, the fact that this is the biggest issue people can pick out. Thank you. Like, That's the biggest problem you found in our religion. Like, All right. Then we've defeated you because you, we got issues with your God itself and you don't even know who your God is. Is it Christ? Is it that you don't understand the Trinity itself and you're coming to us at age of nine? Is that the Vaisha? That's your issue? And from, if you look at it from every single like point of epistemology, yeah. Christian, atheist, it's not an issue. Even in their like... Oh, the liberals can't say anything anymore about it. Yeah, but they, they, they promote love for everybody. So why, why are you getting involved in people's love? And where's the objective? Right? Like, no, they don't have an objective like this is the age. Of yeah. And w- yeah, what is your... The, the, the Sharia puts it perfectly. It's two things. It is that the, the body can physically handle it and the family is accepting of it. Like, it's, like none of the Prophet's enemies use this against him, right? And Abu Bakr and the, the mother of Aisha were proud of it, happy for it, right? That, that means that this was a norm. She's talking about it normally. This was their norm. When you live in the desert, you mature real quick, physically and mentally. Why? Why do you mature so mentally, quick so mentally? Because there are many factors in life, right? Today, if I said to a 15-year-old, here are the keys, here's an apartment, go live. Why can't the kid live? There's too many complicated things. There's bills, there are rules, there are laws, there's a gas stove, there's insurance, there's all sorts of stuff, right? So, yeah, he's just going to sit there. There's distractions, there's unhealthy foods, there's all sorts of things in life that would render this person will be completely destroyed, right? Within two, three months, be, put it the white flag up. There's a lot of factors in life just in the society, right? Go to the desert society. What do I need? Physically, what do I need? I need to know where's the water source, okay? I need to know where's the food source. Well, we live in a tribe. Why do I need to worry about food? Someone's cooking. You live in a tribe. Not everyone cooks every day. Someone slaughtered. Okay, we all eat there. Two days later, oh, so-and-so slaughtered. We all eat there. Next day's my turn. We all eat there, right? They all come here to eat. That's how they lived in those days. You didn't, everyone had just come home, have a wife and mom, dad, kids, and we all cook and we wake up at nine in the morning and we come back at 5 p.m. Didn't live like that, right? So to learn everything you needed to learn about life is doable by the age of seven. I'm telling you everything. How to light a fire, how to slaughter an animal, how to cut up an animal. Like, what else is there to do? How to milk a goat. What else is there? By the age of seven, you have learned everything there is to learn in your society. It's amazing. The the, the, the difference between how people used to live. Even today. And today. Like in some countries, like Japan, for example. I don't know if they changed recently, but the age of consent was 13 years old. Yeah. Right? So, like, if you're going down that route, why don't you just say all of Japan is, yeah. you know, they're... Exactly. Well, why don't Why don't you also say that? Hold on. You are also consenting for a nine year old to do far more today, which is to completely alter their gender, and to take pills that will completely transform how they grow up, and to also physically have the surgery. So you're consenting that, but you do have an issue with the marriage, where there is no permanent damage at all. You're con- you're you're totally consenting that. You're consenting for a girl to have a boyfriend right or, uh, 
you see the stuff that goes on in some of these like middle schools and stuff these kids are actually doing it's out of control oh, no, no it's, it's out of control it's out of control is your salah valid if you put your hands down during the prayer even if you're not automatic you know in all the madhab your school school salah is not invalidated it's never invalidated by the hands being down you may have left off a fadila in that madhab that's it an apostate in my family only told me he left no other family members are aware and he's still pretending as if he's a muslim That's a great question, right? All right, let's say you're in a family and you live and one of the, you live in like, um, I don't know if you said the same house or within the, you see each other all the time and he privately told you apostated, but he does make wudu, makes Allah. Well, firstly, the Salah behind him is invalid. But do you say something or do you just leave it in hopes that It'll change his mind at some point. Or do you have to like bring it out and make it an issue? Because if you bring it out, either a lie or if someone doesn't, what, what would stop him from lying, right? Or he'll actually cement himself in it now. Okay, yeah, I am, right? Now I'm, I'm going to bring it out. And now he's got more gas, more fuel to go against the dean. And you're the only one that knows that's the thing. And you're, yeah. So he'll know, like, you're the one that Oh, yeah, that. yeah. Can you ask around? It's got to be a... Here is where I would put it. Is, who is he harming? If he's now harming others, right? I would say, listen. This is between me and you. You start to whisper to the little cousins about your kufri beliefs. This is over. Okay? So I would put it at that. Is he harming somebody? Right? Is he just a youth in the family or is he um, an adult who's also providing the meat and leading the prayer? It's another problem. Right? Tomorrow, are we covering Ashura? Yes. First, we have Owen Benjamin scheduled, and then we're covering Ashura. It's probably going to be a bit longer stream, and we're going to be fasting, so. I've stopped my workouts because my garage is averaging 120 in last month in Dallas. You're lucky you came to Jersey, bro. It's 120 degrees in Dallas, and it's dry heat. And you don't have Dada Fats, and you don't have nothing but Facts live stream. And you don't have MBIC Thicker Night. What do you have in Dallas? Cheaper homes? Dry even in the winter. It, oh, it's dry even the winter time. So you need, um, what if what if we did, uh, went and did the Thicker Night? Did you attend any of our Thickers? The Friday Thicker yet? Yeah. Last week, right? Okay. What if we did that in Dallas? What would happen? Uh, Amara and Alian were trying to start it. Yeah. Uh, we did that epic masjid. We heard a lot of screams uh, when everybody was in the masjid. So, uh, Shaitan left. Wow. That's insane. So definitely it's needed. That's insane. 
Does copyright exist in fiqh? They need to be compensated when they produce a work. Otherwise, it just... Forget whether it's not... It's permitted in fiqh, but... You're not going to have much of an industry if if authors are not compensated for their efforts. The shuru? No, they didn't have it back then. So yeah, if you find a manuscript, you can take it and republish it. Yeah. What's a good book, says Medium, that goes over how to answer non-Muslim questions if God created everything, who created God, etc.? This one's good. The Divine for Critical Minds. Asrar Rashid's book, Islam Answers Atheism. And number three, Hamza Tzortz's book, the divine for critical uh, divine realities, okay. Divine reality or divine reality? I think it's singular, right? The divine reality. Yeah, it's just three solid books. Will have a lot of overlap in them, so that you can actually, it'll cement in your mind even further. I heard that Sayyidina Maryam was just fifteen years old, and she gave birth to Sayyidina Isa. Yes, that's true, or fourteen. Right? Can you do a series on the judgment day? Yes, why not? Okay. I recently started praying with my arms down. Is my salah null when I actually put my arms back? No. Fatima King is asking. No. There is no connection between validity and the arms. Your salah is valid in any way or shape your arms are. Nor do you owe sujud sahu. Whether you put your arms uh, folded or down, or up to the side, Egyptian style, right? Remember that old Egyptian fat? The salah on the heart? Huh? No, those are the pharaohs. Those are the pharaohs, yeah. That's the pharaohs, yeah. Your salah will not be invalid. It will not be invalid. You would be an innovator, but your salah is not valid. Like if you were prayed like this the whole time, right? Your salah is not invalid, but you're an innovator. It's a sinful innovation. There's something called valid but sinful. Salah is valid, but you're sinful for that. Okay. Huh? Al-amal kathir. If you keep moving around, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. What if, all right, here, listen to this. What if that person is married? Yeah, then you have to, she has to know. Your cousin comes to you and says, listen, I'm actually not a Muslim anymore. I'm, I'm out of Islam. I don't believe in Allah. You're like, what is it? why did you just tell me? Now your wife is committing zina now. Because the, the moment you said that, the marriage is nullified. Does not need a qadi. Does not, you have, it's nullified now. She's not your wife now. The moment for a husband or wife that their spouse renounces Islam, the marriage is done for. She covers her hair right away in front of this guy and packs up the bags and leaves. Then settle the divorce later. That's actually the sharia. We ask Allah never to put us in that position again. Or ever, I mean. Yeah. To that person at least. At least to the wife. Yeah. At least to the that's what we said. The line has to be where there's harm, and that's harm. Do I have to live in the UK when shit when the Mahdi comes? (laughs) 
I don't know, to be honest, anything about that. When should you give up on du'a? Never. Never. That's exactly the thing that the Prophet said. You will get an answer until you yourself give up. Right? Unless you uh, hurry and rush. The Sahaba said, what does rushing mean? He said that the person says, I, I made du'a and I didn't get an answer. So as long as you're continuing to make the du'a, you'll get your answer. But the moment you say, ah, I'm done with it. I'm good. I'm good to go. Plus, why would you get an answer? You didn't want it badly enough. Some things you need to prove that you want it badly enough. So you need to keep making the du'a for years. All right, a couple more questions. Is it allowed for a woman to ask her husband to live with her family if he's not willing to give his wife a place to live without his sister? Yes, it is allowed to ask. But a man should not go and live uh, under the roof of his in-laws. He shouldn't do that. Okay, And he must afford his wife satisfactory living arrangements. If he should not then bring in people that will upset this satisfaction. If he's forced to, then it's temporary. Okay? Temporarily bring in other relatives that I have to take care of. Okay? That's temporary. But he should not go and live under, you know, people and and live off their dime and live off their roof. His, he's going to go downhill. If he goes in, if any man does that, they're going to go downhill. Of course, if if someone gets becomes an older man in the family, once you pass a certain age, all bets are off. You live wherever you live. No one expects anything from you when you become an old man, essentially. Do you believe there will be a khilafah returning before Imam Mahdi arrives? No, I don't believe that. But it doesn't mean it's not possible. I just don't think that it's that would happen. People with short arms can't reach their knees when they're on the floor doing the shahada. No, it does not invalidate the prayer. Have there been any NBF episodes on marriage? Yes, we did a big one and we put it on the New Brunswick Islamic Center MBIC YouTube channel and cut it up into 50 videos. You mentioned last time the Prophet using uh, takhweef to discourage people looking around and stuff. Is that, would that not constitute lying? The answer is no, because the Prophet, the way he worded it, is not a direct threat. He would said, it's possible, right? It is possible, rationally possible. That would happen. And for the burning the house of the people who don't profess, I thought of. He didn't say, I will do it. I thought of. If someone is annoying you about sadr, tell them it's an authentic way to pray. Um, Is marriage mandatory on those who have problems, like physically? Marriage is never mandatory, just so no. But you're not allowed to believe that that in general, celibacy is better than marriage. 
that you cannot believe. You can believe that for you at this time, you're not ready to marry. How can we accept things we can't change and make dua? You just accept that you just accept that you realize that in this tri tribulation there is a wisdom and a benefit and a wisdom is a benefit wisdom means benefit there's a benefit for me here in this tribulation there is a benefit for me in this situation and it's up to you to to accept Allah's will for you this is Allah's will that I have to suffer from this delay or I have to face this obstacle or I have to do something I don't want to do it's Allah's will. It's out of my control. I have to do it. So when you take that attitude, you're accept you're submitting to Allah's will. And when you submit to the will of Allah, that's only the only then can the futuhats come. But as long as you're hating the situation, that is a sign that your nafs is still big. And you're resisting. Stop resisting. Resisting, you stop resisting something out of my control in the first place. If it's totally out of your control, you accept it. So something Allah's will to happen and handle it the way the Sharia requires. If it's an oppressor comes into your army, it's Allah's will. It must be a reason. Maybe we have committed sins. Maybe we have to make tawbah. Maybe we have a weakness. Maybe we didn't invest in the army enough. Now let's figure out how to fix it. And the sign that you accept Allah's will is you don't care about the, the person who's doing it. It's just a tool. It's a divine tool. You're just a divine tool to correct something that we've done that's terribly wrong. All right, that's how we. That's the. That's from the meanings of accepting it. It's not accepting it outwardly because the Sharia may outwardly say you have to fight this back. Right, it could be something where um, an injury causes you to have to miss a vacation. Where? How big is your nafs? Do not resist. If that's a, I really wanted to go this way, but I was been stopped. Accept it. In your own room, something better is going to happen, where you're recovering, right? But you cannot find the pearls unless you have firstly accepted. And the sign that you've accepted it is you're smiling, you're happy. That's the sign that you've accepted. I'm, I'm totally accepted this will. This is Allah's decision. I'm pleased with it. I'm going to find now a way to be happy with this. And that's the meaning of not rebelling and not resisting Allah's decree. Let's now turn to the wit. Hizbin Nasr. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. La ilaha illallah al-Malikul Haqqubin. 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 Ya <laughs> 
Allahu la ilaha illa huwal hayyul qayyum la ta'khudhuhu sinatun wa la nawm lahu ma fis samawati wa ma fil ard man dha alladhi yashfa'u 'indahu illa bi idnihi ya'lamu ma bayna aydihim wa ma khalfahum wa la yuhitun bi shay'in min 'ilmihi illa bima sha'a wasi'a kursiyuhu as-samawati wal ard wa la yu'juhu hifdhuhuma wa huwa al-'aliyyul 'adhim bismillah ar-rahman ar-rahim law anzalna hadha al-qur'an ala jabalin la ra'aytahu khashyan mutasaddi'an min khashyatillah wa tilka al-amthalu nadribuha lin-nasi la'allahum yatafakkarun huwa allahu alladhi la ilaha illa huwa 'alimul ghaybi wash-shahadati huwa ar-rahman ar-rahim huwa allahu alladhi la ilaha illa huwa al-malik al-quddus as-salam al-mu'min al-muhaymin al-'aziz al-jabbar al-mutakabbir subhanallah ما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم أعيد نفسي بالله تعالى من كل ما يسمع بأذنين ويبصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بشفتين حصنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من شر ما أخاف وأحذر من الجن والإنس وإن يحضرون عز جاره وجل ثناؤه وتقدست أسماؤه ولا إله غيره اللهم إني أجعلك في نحور أدائي وأعوذ بك من شرورهم وتحيلهم ومكرهم ومكائدهم أطفئ نار من أراد بعداوة من الجن والإنس يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كافي يا محيط سبحانك يا رب ما أعظم شأنك وعز سلطانك تحصنت بالله وبأسماء الله وبآيات الله وملائكة الله وأنبياء الله ورسل الله والصالحين من عباد الله حصنت نفسي بلا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم اللهم احرسني بعينك التي لا تنام واكنفني بكنفك الذي لا يرام وارحمني بقدرتك علي فلا أهلك وأنت ثقتي ورجائي يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين اكفني شر كل طارق يطرق بليل أو نهار إلا طارق يطرق بخير إنك على كل شيء قدير بسم الله أرقي نفسي من كل ما يؤذي ومن كل حاسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت اللهم رب الناس أذب الباس اشفي أنت الشافي وعافي أنت المعافي لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر السقم ولا ألم يا كافي يا وافي يا حميد يا مجيد ارفع عني كل تعب شديد واكفني من الحد والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد واجعل لي نورا من نورك وعزة من عزك ونصرا من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسة من حراستك وتأييد من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفيني من شر كل ذي شر إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه والسلام والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهرا وباطنا وعلى كل حال يا أرحم الراحمين We stop there for a little bit inshallah uh, We'll make dua for a few minutes inshallah Bismillah
صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Thank you.